What is good, everyone? Welcome back to the Exhaust Notes Formula One podcast, the official Formula One podcast that you need in your life. Wait a second. Is that the right one? No, this is your new favorite Formula One. Your new favorite Formula One podcast. I'm going to get these right once in a while, but... <laughs> I think you're doing a great job, Nicholas. I would say we're your favorite Formula One podcast, favorite Formula One podcast. There you go. That's even better. I like that slogan. But anyway, how you guys doing? We got we got probably the biggest news, well, easily the biggest news of this offseason, but I would say one of the bigger moves, one of the bigger changes we've seen in a few years, at least, right? It's my boat. So what do you guys think we're going to get first? Are we going to get the travelogue show of Matteo Bonato and Gunter Steiner traveling up and down Europe and doing a dude version of Eat, Pray, Love, where it's called Break, Stop, and Drive? <laughs> oh, my God. Just okay. team principals in cars getting coffee <laughs> Yeah, would be so good. Honestly, if you give me Bonato and, and Gunther in that same show as was on the Drive to Survive episode, I'm paying for that before I'm paying for a Formula One subscription. Plain and simple. Yeah. We were chatting about this pregame, right? And he was a lot of people's favorite principal, if you didn't have a favorite principal, because we all need that cult of personality to reel us into something, whether it's a new sport, whether it's a new TV show. And I know I made the popular analogy that we basically got Austrian-German Michael Scott with Gunther Steiner. We're about to see what the future holds because I don't see any Will Ferrell-like characters picking up the charisma and the comedic timing of one Gunther Steiner next year. We haven't even actually talked about what happened yet. But Talk about it, Todd. Talk Gunther about it, Steiner. Todd. Gunther Steiner was fired, not even like placed on gardening leave or uh, you know, let down in a nice way, but straight up shit-canned by Gene Haas, owner of Haas... Formula One team, and uh, which we'll get into later, but their technical director, Simone Resta, was also let go a day later. The new f- person in charge is, oh God, what is his name? Io. Someone help me out here. Uh, is it Io Yamamoto? I don't want to say Yamamoto because that's a very stereotypical Japanese name, but spell it for me, I, th- I know. I- as Todd's kind of looking that up, no, it's just I interesting am. to me. Ayo Komatsu. Komatsu. There it is. Arigato Gaizmash. Gaizmash. By the way, new curb. Can't wait for that. In the same way, I can't wait to see the new Formula One season with a Gunter Steinerless Haas because I think this, this is a death knell. Uh, I'll give one of my hot takes away. I thought we would see two brand new driver teams or driver grid lineups in 25. I'm not going to say Haas is gone within 18 months of this because it just seems like they are stripping that company, that team for parts. And yeah, like Gene Haas doesn't want to be in Formula One anymore. That's what I'm taking out of this. I don't see really hot take in my opinion. I actually would agree with you because like this to me is a no brainer. Strike while the iron's hot, sell the Haas team to Andretti now for a team with ambition. But like all of the the uh, feedback after the f- firing is Gene Haas basically let you know Gunther go because of performance. He's been there. He's been the team principal since Haas came out of the grid in 2014, 15, something like that. Or wait, yeah. 16. Yes, 2016. Um, and he has relatively little like performance to show for it. They have, I don't think any podiums. They have one pole. Uh, they finished in the bottom of the constructors most of the time. I think they got up to like fourth or fifth at one point in one year. Yeah. They got a fifth, a fifth place and then like eight, nine, 10 the rest of the time, basically. Right. Yeah. But, it sounds like from Gene Haas's perspective that he's like, we have all the tools in place. We have the equipment, blah, blah, blah. I saw a stat earlier that their entire formula one team is like 250 people. And Mercedes was like 1100 people. Yeah. Just like people make a difference, especially in a sport like this, but like the technology also makes a huge difference. So he's seems a bit delusional about where they are. Like, 
as far as like the performance of the team and their people. And, and like, that doesn't sound like a guy that's about to sell to me. I mean, I might be completely, uh, I don't know what the word is because bias is not it, but, um, it might just be the good old American way of, of overworking your employees and forcing, (laughs) you know, not enough people to do too much work, but uh, here's the thing that I I think about the situation with Haas. There's no way that that, that Gene Haas's company is not better off and making more money than when he entered Formula One. And like, I don't know if, I didn't see a whole lot of conversation about this, but, you know, Gunther is, is like well-respected in the, in the business. He's, He's the reason that Haas even entered Formula One, basically convinced Gene Haas to, to, you know, to enter the team. And not only is he like the reason that anybody cares about the Haas team, that's not a diehard Formula One fan. Because like any new fans from America came through Drive to Survive for the most part, right? You know, let's say 80% if not higher. And he's the, the main reason because he's connected to the American team. And to think about them saying that it's performance-based but not investing in the team, it just seems like there's only two options for Gene Haas with this, right? Or three, I guess. One is you're making enough money on the other side of your business, your, you know, whatever your automation systems are and your tools and all that stuff that this is just a giant marketing expense for you. And at, you know, whatever millions, billions you spend, like you're, you're, you know, probably doubling that because you've never had this exposure before ever. The second option would be like them to, to Rose point, they're cleaning house. They're going to eventually sell, you know, like you said, Todd, while iron is hot, you know, like now is the time to sell. If you're going to sell, you have Andretti. They've also denied that, and like the conversations between them and Andretti have not really gone anywhere, according to most reports. And then the third, the third, I guess, option would be like you're gonna just kind of like exit completely, or I guess like like some sort of partnership, right? Like, doesn't seem like he's the type of guy to bring in partner to, to bring in partner money, which yeah. is why. Gunther is the guy that brought in all of those ad dollars, right? They're sponsored by Chipotle because of Gunther, not because of Gene Haas and and his relationships with like, you know, automation systems. Like it just doesn't make any sense. I personally think like if an Andretti thing doesn't happen, that's when I think the team disappears. Like I think they sell to whomever if like if they can't figure it out either a partnership with Andretti or a complete like I'm out sell to Andretti then after that is when they like are like okay fire sale we fucked up and we held on to this too long we just have to let it go because clearly he doesn't want to compete in Formula 1 like that's what that's what this decision says to me three points which is more than a usual Haas uh, score in a weekend (laughs) what is Gunther Steiner's Chipotle order (laughs) second of all to me, like you'd mentioned, the whole rah-rah, sis, boomba, Americanism, nature of Gene Haas when it comes to promoting and showcasing his team. So you're telling me, Gene Haas, that for all of your American virtue, you're just here for a participation trophy and you just want to rub shoulders with people richer than you? Good on you. That's why I don't think you deserve to be on this. And, I mean, you guys have kind of said this point, but I'll try to maybe dumb it down for anybody that may be listening for the very first time. If you ask 100 people coming into this year, what is Haas's one competitive advantage, if they have one? I think 99 out of 100 would say Gunter Steiner. It's that shot in the arm. It's that credibility. It's that cult of personality. And now you're essentially starting from scratch. What are your impressions of a successful Haas season next year? Because I will say this. Gunther Steiner was almost bred in a lab to be the one that could handle the amount of chaos that we always saw associated with Haas because they truly were stretching every penny, trying to do the most with the least, and he kind of thrived in that. I don't know if 
Kamumatsu-san, apologies if I butchered your name, is ready for that. And I don't think he is going to be the one. In fact, if I could make a team comparison, Haas may have just entered their Matteo Bonato era because it seems like he's got the same profile as Bonato did. See, I don't know about that because he's been there as the chief chief engineer or whatever for, I think, as long as Gunther's been there, if not just shy of that. Um, But I think they, they all thrive there, but kind of like what Ro just said, like their, their one advantage on the grid wasn't performance. It was marketing. It was kind of being the clown show. And that was all centered around Gunther. So it doesn't even matter if they like, say they, they go from 10th to 9th next year and like actually show improvements that doesn't do anything. Cause they, they still have K mag and, and um, Nico and, and Nico Hulkenberg, uh, which they're not exactly the most marketable drivers either. Like they, they yeah. try, but I mean, the only real like memorable thing from either of them on the grid is, uh, is what's his name's pole in the wet, which was like a total, like lucky timing thing. And the other thing is like the interaction between them two, when Hulkenberg told Magnuson to suck his balls, like that's yeah. the only, <laughs> I got, I gotta, I gotta pause there though. We gotta go back because for people that haven't been watching formula one, like you, I a hundred percent agree. Part of what is appealing about Haas is Steiner and the clown show that drive to survive portrays. But a lot of people probably don't know. He is like one of the reasons why Red Bull even got out of the depths of like starting out, right? Like the first, what, three, four years, he was like technical director or something like that with Christian Horner, right? So like there's... And and previous to that, Jaguar maybe a- a- it wasn't Aston back then. Jaguar, right? Jaguar that like yeah, Red Red Bull bought Jaguar. Yeah, he has like a very like solid history of competitive racing, and I think that is like the shittiest part about the way that Drive to Survive spun the you know fuck smash doors and stuff like that because. I don't think people in the in the business of Formula One or in racing in general don't realize that, but I think it's it's important to like make that statement for people that are just kind of casual listeners to our show and and casual fans of the sport because it does seem like more of a clown show the way he played it up and did all those funny things and was the entertainer there, but like he is very much like a diehard competitive racer and it doesn't show in the way that he's been portrayed. But I just, I feel like we need to, we need that, to no, that, that is, clear. that is good clarification. He is a legitimate and serious team principal or technical person for a formula one team. Um, but like the only reason they have fans is that whole like clown show spin that they put on him. And that's just his character. Like, he is that yeah. guy. He's not like yucking it up for the camera. He is, he is that guy. So, but like with two kind of blase drivers, a car that I guess showed only like one lap pace at times last year, like it was really fast at times, but just completely ate its tires. So it couldn't keep up over a race distance. And then having a pretty boring. I'm trying to think of a comparison in current team principles to IO Sun that we can give. Who's another? Oh, Andreas Stella from McLaren. He's pretty boring. It, I mean, even Otmar to some degree. So if you, if I'm, but Otmar was like awkwardly. He was like Robert California. No, not Robert California. What's the other guy in the office? Since we're making office references, which one? Who's Who? the, uh, 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 what was his name? The, the black dude that was running the office for a while. Oh, Idris Elvis character. I, I, what was his name though? Idris uh, Elvis character. Charles something. Let's go with Charles. 
Yeah, it was Charles something. Anyway, he was like straight, serious, to the point, get the job done, whatever. But not like fun and engaging. He's not going to create new fans. And it's not like they're going to go from 10th to 1st next year, which would gain them new fans. Even 10th to 5th. Um, yeah, I'm thinking is- like build over long term. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me to keep going in this if you're not going to, one, invest heavily, or two, like Nick said, either partner or sell to Andretti. So what do you want as a team, right? If you're not successful, like we've said, and we could very much say that Haas is a bottom half team, I'm not ruffling any feathers when I say that, right? You have to have something. And his something was literally the charisma that he had. Forget the engines, forget the gas. He was the single person that was propelling that team forward. And now you've taken that away. They are going to be an even boring version of Alfa Romeo, which is saying something. They're going to be Alfa Romeo without the cheeks, so to speak, even though they're going to drive like cheeks. And that's what's going to be (laughs) absurd. Because like we made the joke earlier about three points, maybe this is my other hot take. They're going to score five points total next year. I have no faith in them at all. I would actually go hotter takes, and I'd be surprised if they score a point next year. Really? Yeah. What are you pondering? What are you pondering, Engvall? So, I don't think I don't think that that they're going to fall off. I don't think well, they're well, like well, the, the bottom team, even without they, they finished tenth last year. Oh, they did finish tenth. I thought they were ninth. Pretty sure they finished tenth last year. I think uh, Joe Guan Yu had a couple of like one point drives, which yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see, constructor standards. I guess like this, this to me just comes down to like one yeah. one man's word versus another, right? The idea that Gene Haas thinks they've spent enough money to be competitive, and the idea that. Gunther basically was like, we haven't had enough money. Give us more money so we can be competitive. In the racing world, I don't think there's any chance in hell anyone believes Gene Haas over Gunther Steiner. Outside of that, the public, who knows, right? Things are spun all sorts of different ways. But like, but he's writing the checks, so it it, it always it all falls right, to but, him, but, right? But we we see, we've seen that repeatedly in Formula One, where it's like you're writing the checks, but you can't you can't possibly understand like what it means to like win in this. Oh, like you can't build a fast race car. You might write the checks, but you can't build a fast race car. So don't tell me what I'm doing. Exactly. And you have to know that like, you've got somebody that's incredibly talented there and you never really gave him the runway that was needed to be competitive. And on top of that, I think the, the kicker to this that drives me crazy is there's no way that that team is not worth and making a shit ton more money than they were in 2016 when nobody cared about Formula One in the United States. Yeah. Like, where does that money go? Invest in the team. Let Gunther win. Honestly, like, I hope you're out of the sport within the next few years and Gunther picks up a job with Andretti or... (laughs) Andretti team principal. In Rowett's case... One thing I wanted to mention, I remember reading this earlier. Um, K-Mag was quoted very recently, like when they were asking him, what, like, what do you think, um, you know, the problems with Haas is? And he's like, you know, what isn't a problem, essentially? But, like, basically in, in retorts to uh, Gene Haas saying, like, you know, we have the people, we have the equipment, blah, blah, blah. K-Mag literally said, like, oh, we have the equipment? Our, our equipment's from 2016, and we ha- we're we the only team to not average under three seconds for a pit stop this year. What do you think that is? So, like, Gene Haas is delusional in the fact that he thinks his team, his deck is stacked correctly to, to play a solid hand in, in the battle that yeah. is Formula One. One other thing as well, we talk about the fact that Gene Haas's superpower as it pertains to the Formula One world is writing checks. I still make the argument the biggest check that he didn't write may have kind of prevented us from going DEFCON 5. If he had signed Daniel Ricciardo, this is not as big of a deal. And yes, Daniel Ricciardo is very expensive, but he provides that same cult of personality, that same credibility that at least keeps people invested. And now you've got these two bland guys. Not only that, it's just this notion of, if I'm a Formula 1 driver that's a free agent, why would I want to go to Haas? 
like eat. Because as you guys just mentioned, there is nothing that says, not even quality, mediocrity in that setup. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. There's no, there's no even hope of anything other than like, unless, unless you're a driver that has no shot at landing on a team and all of a sudden, and like, you're like 15 years old and you can get a deal with Haas in the next couple of years, like you shouldn't sign with Haas so as you, a driver. You turn into well, they don't even do driver academy. No, they don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, if there's some way you can sneak in as a really young kid in the next couple of years, that's the only way. Because then at least you get time in a Formula One car. And if you're in a Formula One car, you can walk up and down the grid and, and meet people, right? Like, go network. Like, go find your next ride, in my opinion. But otherwise, like, it doesn't make any sense for anybody to, like, really take them seriously, especially from a driver's perspective. And I, I think that's, you know, the other layer to that is, like, Hulkenberg saying that is, is, you know, he's putting his neck out on the line by even saying that the way, the way that a lot of, you know, I don't know, call all billionaires bad, but like billionaire business owners that like don't really understand the business, but hire a bunch of people to do it. And then they have a bunch of layers that insulate them from the people that tell them the truth. So they never get to know the truth and never trust anybody outside of their circle of yes men. And I think that's, I think that's exactly what happens, right? Like you can't possibly have looked back on the last, you know, seven, eight years of formula one and not seen your checkbook, your checking account way the hell up and not thought we should spend more money to help this team win. Right. Like it just, you're not playing the game as a business if if that's if you're not you know like it's but i also like you know i'm kind of feeling like this is just like an oakland a's example where <laughs> you know the it's just intentionally driving the the team into the ground but they can't also move has, right like doesn't he also go... have uh like a haas doesn't he have a tony stewart team in indycar yeah. or something he's got too? a nascar so, team and i NASCAR think team, he yeah. might have uh some other sponsorship for like endurance, like not not WEC, but like some other endurance series. He might have cars in. What is this is just the way that he sells his tools, though? Like, our tools are the best because I bought all these teams and they all use them. <laughs> I mean, I, he does something with like machining and automation. I don't actually know what Haas automation. Yeah. Is it CNC? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they, I guess they could like machine brake rotors or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, the thing with all of this is he represents something that I find very infuriating, which is I'm a billionaire businessman. I'm going to buy into whatever my favorite sport is. And I just think because I was so successful in this other facet of my business, everything is going to transfer over. And very rarely does that happen, whether you decide to be hands-on, whether you decide to be an owner that says, you know what, I'm just going to hire the best people and stay out of the way, because more often than not, people don't stay away. Because inevitably, at the first sign of failure or decay, they naturally want to go in, get their hands dirty, because that's what they've known their whole life. And if he's working in automation, maybe he should have gotten a machine to figure out how to run a Formula One team, because he can't. <laughs> well, but so like... In that same vein, like that's essentially Lawrence Stroll, right? But I was he is going to say, did we just become best friends with Lawrence Stroll? <laughs> he he, he of, is hands at least on. He did the right things. He is hands on in the sense that he's investing. At least I don't think he does anything as far as the function of the Formula One team. But like he's got the whole write checks in a Doctor Evil fashion down to a T. He's a practically he's a saint, all... though, compared to. But he's also sold his shares in the team, basically showing that hey, he was he was, you know, either just trying to make money or he recognizes that he wasn't going to be the the top person to like actually get the team to that next level. No, but he did one thing right, and I'm we make fun of this guy a lot on this podcast, but he brought Fernando Alonso back in terms of a credibility, right? What was the Haas equivalent of moving the needle that much? And I'll give you their entire existence to kind of ponder what that scenario is, because I can't think of anything off the top of my head. When they They've signed been... Grosjean, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was. was okay. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Grosjean was coming off good seasons prior to that. Um, 
and like at earlier in his career, he was considered like a fast driver. It never but like at the materialized. Level of a time world champion though, like that's the thing. No, Definitely not that high. No, but like yeah. you can't. It's a. That's. I feel like that's a bit apples to oranges comparison because like there's only a select few. How many world champions are on the grid right now? Two, three, three. Oh, I forgot. Lewis, Max, Nando. Nobody else on the grid has won a a world championship. Come back, Seb. (laughs) God, please. Come back to Haas. No. I wouldn't want that for Seb. Just joking like that, and you guys are like, no, we want no part of it. Leave our untouched Uh, German boy alone. No, but that's just because... He can come back to Andretti with Gunther at the helm. Oh, yeah. We need to build out, like, a fantasy team of, like, past... (sighs) Formula One employees. <laughs> not, not only that, I think we should end the episode with, okay, what is our fantasy fic? Uh, let's channel our inner Anita driver and come up with what the Gunther Steiner story looks like 18 months from now as we're discussing this. All right, so before we get into that, <laughs> my big question is how much does this affect U.S. fans that, that came up watching Gunther on Drive to Survive? Because that's a huge market, right? We need to talk about it a little bit. But Before like... we get to that, though, I have one other thing on Haas specifically. Okay. The announcement post for terminating Gunther and uh, announcing that uh, I still don't know his name. The first Japanese team principal, so shout out to him. Ayo Komatsu. Ayo Komatsu. Um, uh, the post... <laughs> was just like a frumpy picture of Gene Haas. It wasn't the new team principal. It wasn't a picture of Gunther. Like, that person, whoever running the Haas social media account, was bitter. They found, like, the worst picture they could. It was, like, confused Biden face in, like, a big-ass jacket, like, looking around the garage. Like, he had no idea what was going on. I just thought of something. You know what? All due respect to Kamamatsu-san, get Rich Energy CEO in there. That's the one principle. (laughs) Oh, William, sorry. That that that's the only person you could replace Gunther with and have the same uh, cult of personality effect. Yeah, shenanigans. Could you imagine? Oh my god! I'd just love <sighs> to be on the calls because because I'd love to hear the calls between him and and Gene Haas. I mean, it's hilarious to see Gunther talk to Gene Haas and you know, like wind his way through obviously this like grumpy old man kind of vibe that you kind of see with him but William's story is uh, another story (laughs) anyway back to what you're saying Uh, (laughs) what does that do for the American fandom of was it Haas or Formula 1 in general I think Formula 1 in general I think the Haas team might as well just hang it up Yeah. just sell to Andretti yeah I, I want more teams on the grid. I would love to have 22 cars or even 24 cars on the grid. It would make for more exciting racing. It makes the bottom 10 uh, cars like more interesting. Like we, We're already nerds about this sport, and we all already like pay attention to the midfield and the lower midfield and yeah. the, the back markers just because Max is like fucked off out front by 30 seconds. So like we have to pay attention to second through... 18th place um but just sell to andretti and make all of us happy and like it it resolves two things right haas goes away and andretti is now the american team the actual american team on the grid but that's also like our second choice right in a in like a perfect scenario the haas team is there we have two american teams to root for and you start to get competitiveness amongst American teams, even if it's not with the rest of the grid, it's between each other, because then you get the fan bases to kind of go one way or the other. And that's what grows the, the sport, in my opinion. But, 100%. Like, that's like the perfect scenario. And I think that's the most frustrating thing about this situation is like, I agree. At this point, Haas has got to go just sell to Andretti. You know, like, even if they don't, even if they don't sell the Andretti, even if they try to compete with the same team, 
let's say IO does like amazing and like you know, they move up to seventh or eighth. That's a huge win for them, but it's still not going to be enough for like the average fan to be excited about a team. You know what I mean? Like, yes, but if they do manage to do the unthinkable and let's say they hit seventh, I think that's a a sense of false confidence because then I think Gene, uh, I was going to say Gene Stallings, I guess the Alabama football hire is still in my mind, but Gene Haas then thinks, Oh, I was doing this the right way anyway. So we're going to continue to run things the way that we are because now I have a proof of concept. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not advocating for any of that. I'm just saying like on a no, very no, weird, I, I optimistic... I know you're not, Nick, but in my mind, that's where my natural mind is like, okay, if that happens, what does he think about himself? Because then he clearly thinks he's the cat's pajamas. Yeah. So kind of going back to the Americans fans of the sport, I actually think that if Haas isn't sold to Andretti and that doesn't happen, that's 25, right? That was supposed to be approved for? I thought 25 26. or 26. 26. 26 with the new regs. Like, if that doesn't happen, like, what? Like, that saves the American fan base. I mean, yeah, we have a two-year window where people might not care about the sport, you know, unless you're, like, looking for the glitz and glamour of, like, Miami and Vegas races. But, like, to me, unless that happens, I think you you alienate a huge group of people in the U.S., that are struggling to stay attentive to, to the sport right now. Well, I have a good segue for that because Take as we away. talked about earlier. So Luke Smith, uh, reporter with the race, published an article um, in the, the athletic uh, today that actually talked about the F1 interest and boom and and maybe beginning of a bust. So let's talk about that. Um, I want to go through the stats real quick because I love running numbers and then Rohit will make up numbers later. They're like what I 10x, whatever I said. It's what I uh, do. So the average viewership per race, and I'm going to start back in 2018. Is that when Drive to Survive actually started? Was it 2018 for the 2017 se- season? I thought it was 2019 for the 2018 season. I think that's right. 2019. Maybe you're right there. So 2018 average viewership per race. This is TV viewers. Um, hello, cat. Uh, was 554,000. 2019 small bump, 672,000. Small dip in 2020, 608,000. That was the last year of that's like ultra domination. Year. Oh, that was yeah, a pandemic that's year. That's a pandemic year, so there was the same race every week, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2021, 949,000. So that's the first yeah. year of that's... like the real Netflix effect. And then 2022, this is the, the climax. Everyone, big O-face, right? In Abu Dhabi, 1.21 million average viewers per race. And then 2023... The last season we just watched, small dip of 1.1 million. But they also had falling attendance at several races. And we had, and the, the main point of this is the plausible explanation for, for all of this is domination, right? But you go back through all of those years and we have domination. We've had domination for, for, one part or another since 20, 2008. Yeah. Right. So time. nine through 13, 2008 was Fernando with, uh, Renault. And then 2009 through 2013 was Seb with Red Bull. 2014 through 21 was Mercedes, mostly Hamilton, but one Rosberg gear. And now we have Max dominating. And, the I guess the point there is like the domination isn't necessarily that boring, but like they made a big deal about this new regulation set saying like we're gonna have closer racing, more competitive racing. They they tried to close the rule book down to like make the cars race each other better. And then Max still was out front by ten to thirty seconds a race. So like feels like they it kind of backfired on them. What do you guys think? But are we so as somebody who's watched for a long time, Todd? I'm going to turn that one back on you, right? 
2023, outside of 2021 with with Max and Lewis, right? 2023, in my opinion, probably the most exciting racing in the two to ten slots that I that I can remember. Wait, you said 2021 was the most exciting two to no, ten no, no. slots. I mean, 2021 is like lights, like is literally light years above everything because of the Max and Lewis battle, right? Like, yeah. whatever side you're on on that, that was absolutely the best racing of in, almost any racing you will ever see. I'm saying 2023 from like the two slot down to like 10 was actually the most exciting racing I've seen in Formula One outside of that 2021 year. That's an anomaly. I think I think this last year was really good for a lot of teams, you know, like a fun season to watch for a lot of teams. Take away Max, right? Like, I know that Max yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, you know, Because I can't remember the last time I was like even giving any thought to who was in seventh or eighth place. You know, like if I think beyond, if I think back to like the Lewis years, the Vettel years, all that stuff. Yeah, like you probably have to go back to like even like two thousand, like yeah, like the early two thousands, like the Jensen Button era for it to be like really kind of interesting top five on a regular basis to me. Yeah, it's go ahead. I'll say this: it's definitely the most competitive. And granted, we represent all options on the spectrum when it comes to formula one we've got two ogs that are sitting beside me i'm relatively as bandwagon of a fan as you can possibly get but the thing that i also kind of want to push back is the numbers that you're reading todd was that traditional ratings because i think one thing that we're not properly measuring in terms of formula one's gravitas and scope is how many people watch it on espn or alternative streams because i think that's a better gauge because right now those numbers may sound meh or okay but I don't know if we're truly understanding the full power of this viewership because I would make the argument that the Formula One fan is probably a little bit more technically savvy, is a little bit more well aware of the world in terms of how to get that. And I just don't think we're quantifying the reach of the sport, even though I do agree it's about to plateau in a sense. That's a good point because I think most of our Discord community watches on F1 TV, right? Like we pretty much Actually, all do. surprisingly, no. Oh, really? Like the the other quote-unquote diehards in the group, as far as I know, like Aaron watches ESPN. Or he might watch both, but I think he watches ESPN. Uh, Trav watches ESPN. I want to say... Not TSN? Shout-outs to Canada. <laughs> or, well, yeah, I it is TSN, but I think it's the same, like, Sky yeah, broadcast. I'm just being a jerk. Sorry. Um, sorry. I... I want to say Trav, Trav Pete also watches ESPN. Interesting. I didn't realize But I think that. they do that. Like they might have access to both or whatever, but they choose the Sky Broadcast. I typically choose, I watch only on F1 TV, but I typically choose the Sky Broadcast. Yeah, I do too. They may have ESPN, but are they watching a traditional Nielsen type rating where it's like they're getting around a TV or are they in? Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I meant. ESPN Plus. Uh, I think. I think it's an ESPN deal. I can't confirm yep. that, but and, and it's an absurd. Ask, that's a good question. Think, yep. Yeah, it's a good question. I think a, a related question to that is, you said something about attendance being down, but slight dip, not yes. not as dra drastic. Is that overall, or is that like per race, or because yeah, like, no, it was there was I think it was several races noted that were. That were down, like it, it said in that article that Miami was up, but Miami it, they expanded capacity, so who cares? Yeah. Like the race was because I'm thinking, like in America, counts. like we now have three choices. You know, like that that takes away like some of the the possibility. Uh, like if if a million people go to Austin every year, and now all of a sudden. America has three choices. Does Austin drop to 800,000? Is that what they're thinking? Because like you would expect that, right? You would expect some people to, to flip that vacation race vacation to say, Oh, I'm going to go to Miami or Vegas this year to check it out. It actually did talk about Austin. It had an 8,000 person drop 
which yeah, I don't think minimal. is. I yeah. feel like that's a drop yeah. in the bucket, though. Yeah, that's pretty minimal. It was four. It was like four hundred thirty thousand, and then it was four hundred twenty-two thousand. So that's that's whatever. That, that's not a significant difference, I don't think. I remember like the first year I was talking about going to Austin. It was like much, much easier and more sparse to get a ticket like 2017, 2016. Uh, even ticket prices, it was like 500 bucks for the weekend. And now you're looking at 2000 for just a general admission pass. Like, yeah, I think, I, I think we really have actually reached our peak because the general fan kind of going back to your original question watching for so long, I've always cared about the like midfield battle because they're, because they're always, we've had domination for the last, you know, almost 20 years, like before the, the mid 2010s when there was odd winners in there before that, it was Schumacher winning six in a row or whatever. So like we haven't had re like real parody in formula one since the nineties. And the more they try to constrict it, the more it seems to go the other way. So as a long time nerd screaming into the void about F1. It's always been what's the interesting battle, like two through 10 or, or wherever in the field um, for me at least. But I think the general fan doesn't care about that. Even if they're not showing max out front by 30 seconds and they're talking about a battle between second and third, like as the idiot American, I think people, Generally, it's just like, who's winning? Who's winning? Who's winning? But, but Todd, if I can push back on a narrative, there is that idea of when you're starting out, yeah, I'm Team LH, I'm Team Max, I only care about that. But the people that stay with it, I think eventually grow to where you're at now, where they start to appreciate the nuances of the sport. They start to really crave that midfield battle. So, And it's going to be very hard to quantify how many people turn into that type of fan. I think that's why we're dealing with these absolutes of, okay, we're just looking at pure viewership. Is it up or down than the previous year? I would say this. I don't think Formula One may keep the numbers that it continues to keep, but I do think the people that stay invested in the sport will become diehards like you and Nick. And what's that worth to Formula Well, like, don't discount yourself. You've been watching long enough now. We've had this podcast for over a year. We've been talking about Drive to Survive for the last, what, four or five years? But, when but was it 2019? I may, the, I may be the anomaly, right? Like, knock on wood, much like anything in life, I come from a good nature versus nurture. You guys are nurturing me as a Formula One fan, whether you acknowledge it or not. I've borrowed your sensibilities. I've spouted them off as my own in mixed company. That's one of those things where I had good teachers. I have good Formula One parents, lack of a better term. Not everybody gets that luxury. So there could very much be somebody that's listening to this podcast and saying, you know what? My friend group no longer likes Formula One. I never really cared for it either. As opposed to somebody that may, may be the opposite and be like, you know what? It sucks that nobody likes this anymore, but I still kind of do. I'm going to make this my thing. And I just think we're more going to see the latter than the former. Did I, I think if back? you're an American and you have qualms about watching Formula One and you, for some reason, are not into it as much, the best news of the offseason so far for those types of people and for humanity itself is that Danica Patrick is going to be commentating. So. <laughs> oh, my God. The best thing to happen last season is the infamous, now infamous, Jensen Button eye roll when she started talking. Actually, that should be the, the poster yeah. for this. Yes. The cover art. Can you make gifts a cover art, Nick? I don't know. I just have to see how I can do that. <laughs> Um, I'm yeah, joking, by the way, for those that don't have yes, my sense of humor. Slash sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Just give... They, they, they have... Uh, bless her heart. What's her name? The old um, data engineer for Aston Martin. She's now a commentator, like a sideline reporter for, for the Sky broadcast sometimes. And she's like Irish, but she sounds like she's chewing something constantly. When she talks, yeah. do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. She's very actually, hard to understand. Yeah, she's but hard like, to understand. She, she yeah. has really quality things to say, but she's hard to understand. Yeah. There's actually there's actually quite a few. Uh, it's unfortunate. I, I, I don't have anything against Danica Patrick. Like, obviously, she's done some amazing stuff in racing. But it is kind of unfortunate that we went 
I feel like American sports, American motorsports, always does this thing where it's like, well, we can't quite figure it out. Let's just lean into NASCAR shit. And it's like, not, it's not only that. It's one thing to embrace diversity because I do think we need to do that because the more inclusive we are as a sport, the better the conversations are around the sport, the better the opportunities for people that might be on the sidelines, but with a bad pun. It's another thing to just go off and continue to use Danica Patrick. There's got to be one other female American racer or one other American female race personality. It's just you're putting a lot on her plate. And by doing that, you're reinforcing the bad narratives and the bad preconceptions around diversity and female drivers because it's always going to be the same person. Shake things up a bit. Be the diversity you claim you are by always bringing the same person to represent a fringe group, so to speak. Well, yeah, part of the problem is that she's part of uh, a specific red hat, red hat wearing fringe group. Um, oh, is she? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got a lot of controversial opinions oh. that are um, not related to car racing. But yeah. she also is just a shitty commentator. Like, I don't care if they're American or not. Like, speaking, going back to that point, though, like, they got um, James Hinchcliffe from IndyCar, which is kind yeah. of like an... Uh, American and I know I think he's Canadian, so it doesn't totally count. But he is very like very much so an American personality now. But he's got like quality stuff to say and add, and he provides good color on the the races he does commentary on. So just give it to a, a more qualified or more. I, I mean, I guess she's qualified because she used to race several different types of cars, but she just is terrible at commentating on formula one i mean i think there's i think there's just like i don't know i, f I forget is it there's there's just women out there that that could be given this opportunity that are not named Annika patrick in my opinion right like make yeah. a star like uh what is her name jamie something bestwick Oh, uh, Jamie Chadwick. Chadwick. Yeah. She, like, give her a seat. Like, she deserves a, not yeah, even a commentary yeah. thing. She but deserves like, on, on that a seat. In that same vein, right? Like, uh, it's Naomi. Naomi Schiff is, like, also a drive. like, has driven a lot, like, has a lot of Oh, yeah, yeah. She's great, wheel. too. She's amazing. But, like, why not, like, I don't know. Like, it's like you're not embracing, like, the core of Formula One and its fandom by trying to make it American, by putting like this American tinfoil yeah, hat Just on because it, we're know? all overwhelmingly new American fans, you don't have to baby us and give us an American personality. Like, yeah. We are falling in love with the sport. And the more you try to handhold, the more I feel like I would recoil at that. Like, no, let me get to this on my own. I don't yeah. need these court-appointed gatekeepers. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to say it. I mean... I'll... No, I was going to change the subject, so you go. Go for it. <laughs> one of the Formula E teams, uh, the the Indian one, and I want to say it was like Mahindra, not Mahindra. Why are you looking at me, Todd? <laughs> I didn't actually. I looked at Nick. I, I, you were being, I know. I was just being a jerk. <laughs> but they, oh my I god, talk this. about yeah. all time, all time backfire. Um, they had an actual position open for a female content creator. Uh, influencer type, right? To align with their their social media, and instead of giving the job to an actual female, they created an AI female to be their the first AI team influencer. If that <laughs> and is holy, the, if that isn't the most Indian ass solution I've ever heard, and I can say that <laughs> as an Indian, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the big Indian. But talk about all time backfires. No, no, I, I, I'll make the point because I don't want you two to get in trouble. If you want to send hate mail my way, send it to Iron Trev on Twitter, <laughs> um, wherever. That being said, that is the most asinine thing. Why overthink it? Anyway, continue down your point. Sorry. No, that, that was. I just wanted since we're on the um, on the vein of like uh, women in motorsport and like equal representation and stuff like that. That's the funny. I actually didn't think. That I thought that type of thing would happen, but I didn't foresee it coming from a, a Formula Racing Series. I mean, it, it it lasted all of like 
18 hours or something, right? By the, because by the, of huge It was basically back. like there was so much negativity on the posts that the next day a post came out and apologized for it and like, you know, hey, we listened to our woman, fans. Or was that read by a man? That's my <laughs> next question. <laughs> It was, it was only it was only it was only text based, so depends on which AI you use to read Haas it. Right next to it, <laughs> Rumpy Gene Haas. Yeah, make that the cover oh, and the title. Yeah. So well, twenty twenty four over or under <laughs> on on F one growing F one American F one fans. Higher or lower than than this last year? I think that we're expecting at least at least another ten percent drop in fandom. Ooh. All right, viewership, race attendance, etc. I, I think it'll be lower, but I don't think it'll be as low as Todd's saying. I'll go with a five percent, but I do think it's a disturbing trend, so to speak, because it seems the bubble has burst. I know I always used to make that analogy that this feels very World Series of Poker in terms of how quickly lightning was caught in a bottle and how everybody threw themselves into it. And then one day, all of a sudden, we never saw those ubiquitous World Series of Poker, like five-hour reruns, the way ridiculousness now kind of dominates MTV that way. I'll take, I'll take the, the long bet on this and just say that it's going to be equal to or better than this year. Only because... I feel like we're going to see some, I I feel like we're going to see a little bit of, uh, a little bit of wear in Max's armor. Mm. I don't really have anything to back that up. Just maybe just me being hopeful that there's more competitiveness, but you think um, it's Max just getting bored? Yeah. Like I, I think he, he might just try to drive the whole season in reverse just to give people a chance. Listeners. That's what we call a tease. Stay tuned for our hot takes episode. <laughs> Yes, definitely. All right. I I don't there was one other thing that I was going to talk about but I can't think of it now. So All right. <laughs> might as well tell one. people how they can find us outside of the show. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at roadm13 on blue sky at roadm13 on Twitter at roheezy at insert pun, pornographic indian pun on onlyfans.com that's all one word. Uh camel case. Todd, where can they find you? On Instagram at dadshoe.jpg, at on Twitter at uh, dadshoe underscore jpeg, and most importantly, in the Discord, which will be linked in the episode. Yep, and uh, you can find me at Nick Engvall on all the platforms at Exhaust Notes FM on Threads. We've got a little bit of a community going over there. There's about seventy people following us, so I'm excited about it. Um, but yeah, make sure you hit the links in the description to join us and let us know if American fans are going to stick around this year or not. Thanks for listening, tuning in, watching, wherever you're. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. I miss you. It just happened. <laughs> Is that?